Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Let's Get It On edition. As the Bengals wrap up the preseason and turn their attention to games that count, beginning in two weeks against the Minnesota Vikings. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays from Sunday's game against Miami, post-game comments from players and coaches, and analysis from my broadcast partner, Dave Lapham. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since making Nick Cosgray an honorary captain. When the Bengals took the field for the opening coin toss on Sunday, three captains headed to the 50-yard line. Trey Hopkins coming back from a torn ACL, Joe Burrow coming back from a torn ACL and MCL, and a key person who assisted in their comebacks, the Bengals' director of rehab, Nick Cosgray. Here's Burrow. I think it was a great way to honor Nick, who, who's a guy that you know, works really, really hard for us. And, you know, he's really an unsung hero of the team. He's a guy that gets a lot of guys right. Whether Whatever injury you have, you go to Nick, he's going he's gonna to get you right and, and tell you what you need to do to minimize the, the effects of that injury. So, you know, Nick's a, a very important part of this organization that, you know, I'm, I'm really glad we were able to honor him in that way. Now, let's get to Sunday's game. The big story going in was Joe Burrow's return, 40 Sundays after being carted off the field in Washington. Joe was told he would be in for three plays. The first was a jet sweep handoff to Tyler Boyd. The second was his only pass of the preseason. Now the Bengals line up in a pistol. Burrow five yards behind Trey Hopkins. Mixon directly behind him. to fake to Mixon. A wide receiver screen dropped by Jamar Chase. That's right. In the Bengals' final two preseason games, Chase dropped all four passes thrown his way. His quarterback says... He's not concerned. I'm not worried about it. I know the kind of guy Jamar is, the kind of player he is. He'll be ready to go week one. After a handoff to Joe Mixon, Burrow's day was done. The Dolphins didn't play either of their top two quarterbacks, Tua Tungo-Vailoa and Jacoby Brissett. Instead, third stringer Reed Sinet got the start and directed a 13-play drive in the first quarter to give Miami the lead. From the three-yard line, he takes the snap, sticks it in the belly of Dokes, Dokes lowers his pads and fights his way into the end zone for a Miami touchdown. Dokes is former UC Bearcat Jared Dokes, who gave the Dolphins a 7-0 lead. Brandon Allen replaced Burrow at quarterback and promptly drove the Bengals right down the field. Allen under center takes the snap, fakes a handoff to Travion Williams, fires downfield and is caught by Trenton Irwin. Gets nailed at the Miami 32-yard line, but holds on to the football after the big hit by Nick Needham. That's two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, he's caught the football, taken a major shot, and held on to the football. Irwin finished with two catches for 39 yards, putting the finishing touch on a strong training camp and preseason. It's wild. I mean, it's it's two years of grinding for more and more opportunities, you know. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, really, in the end. You look at it, and... Uh, just trying to go out there day out, day in and day out and grind to make plays and catch someone's eye to get an opportunity. And just one more opportunity is, is all you need to compile those. 
The Bengals tied the game on the first play of the second quarter. Brandon Allen throwing toward the end zone. Go. He drops it into the bucket. It is caught yes. for a touchdown. Nice. Chris Evans lining up at receiver and streaking down the sideline. And Brandon Allen threw it just over the inside shoulder right into the breadbasket for the score. Right on, Dan. Ball placement. It's, it's everything in the National Football League. Good protection. Clean pocket, unobscured vision, and Chris Evans, like we said, they knew that he could run routes and catch the football, and he just burned people. That was a 29-yard strike on a play that's been working at practice, according to Evans. I've been running it all camp, so we just went for the opportunity to be able to showcase it in the game, and they called it, and I already knew I've been going over it and, and seeing it myself, catching it in a walkthrough yesterday at night, dreaming about it. That tied the score at 7, and a few minutes later, the Bengals' defense made a big play. Shotgun snap, Sinet throws, it Pick. is intercepted. A deflected ball that's picked off by Cincinnati. The Bengals are running it back. The tackle made at the Miami 44 on Trayvon Henderson. His second interception in three preseason games. It led to a 36-yard Austin Seibert field goal and a 10-7 Bengals lead. But Miami answered with another long scoring drive. Jared Dokes already has one touchdown run. They give it to him, and Dokes takes it into the end zone for his second TD. So Miami takes the lead with 1.18 left in the half on a one-yard touchdown run by Jared Dokes. It was 14-10 Dolphins, and after a holding penalty on the kick return, the Bengals had to start from their own seven with 1.13 on the clock. Fortunately, with rookie kicker Evan McPherson on the roster, the Bengals only needed to drive to the Miami 39 to be within field goal range. Harris snaps to Huber. He puts it down the swing of the leg. The kick is long enough, and it is yes. good. Yes. Evan McPherson from 57 yards away ends the first half with a booming field goal, cementing his status as the Bengals' number one kicker in 2021. With Kyle Shermer at quarterback in the second half, the Bengals got lucky and took the lead. Fourth down and four at the Miami 46. Shermer cocks the oh. arm, throws, deflected, oh. caught, off the deflection. Trent Taylor streaking down the far sideline, inside the 20, down to the 10, inside the five, oh. and tackled at the Man. one. First and goal from the one. It's a handoff to Jock Patrick, and he goes into the end zone with ease to give the Bengals the lead after the 45-yard pass completion on a deflection to Trent Taylor. The Bengals took a 20-14 lead to the fourth quarter, the third straight preseason game that they led going to the fourth, and they added to their lead with roughly 10 minutes to go. Shotgun snap to Shermer. He's back to throw. Now scrambling left, Cox the arm, throws into the end zone. Oh. It is caught for the touchdown by Scotty Washington. The Bengals went for two and failed to convert, meaning they had a 12-point lead. It didn't last. Sinet back to throw from the pocket, flings uh -oh. it deep, has Merritt open. Over the shoulder, catch at the 10, and he runs into the end zone for the score. That 44-yard pass came on a second and 22 play and cut the Bengals' lead to five. The worst was still to come. Fourth and 15 with 1.32 to go. Sinet waits for the shotgun snap. He has three receivers right, one left. He catches the ball. Deep drop, being chased by Spence. Finish. Gets away from him, ah. runs away from Hodge. Points deep, steps into a deep ball throw into the end zone, and it is oh, caught man. for a touchdown oh. by Merritt, who spikes the ball and make it Myrick 
with the catch. Unbelievable. Here's Zach Taylor on allowing two long touchdown passes in the fourth quarter to squander a double-digit advantage. I think today there was plenty of opportunities um, to finish the game, you know, particularly on defense there in that last round. Guys had plenty of shots. We need to finish it. Uh, we didn't do it. Um, I just told the team, let's just learn our lessons here in preseason game three, as opposed to two, three, four, or five weeks from now. You got opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. You never know what's going to happen next. And, uh, and, and so, again, we, we just got to learn from this and move on. The Bengals could have tied the game and avoided a loss since there's no overtime in the preseason. But with less than 30 seconds to go, they passed up a 50 yard field goal attempt to go for it on fourth and 10. Shermer back to throw. The pocket closes. He throws it deep. It is batted away at the five-yard line. Incomplete. And that should wrap it up for the Dolphins as Igbenogany broke up that deep ball intended for Washington. The final score, Miami 29, Cincinnati 26, as the Bengals finish the preseason 1-2. and two. Here's Burrow. I'm just excited for preseason to be over and get ready to play the first game. Um, you know, we're tired of going against each other in practice every day and um, hitting each other and getting in fights because we see each other every day. Um, it's going to be nice to go out there and, and, and hit someone when it counts. The Bengals outgained Miami 413 to 388, including 120 rushing yards to only 69 for the Dolphins. But the Bengals hurt themselves with penalties. They had 11 to just 5 by Miami. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. It's light and refreshing with a hint of fruit flavor. Now, time for post-game analysis from Dave Lapham. Lap, I don't want to make too big of a deal of blowing a 12-point fourth quarter lead when the second and third string is in the game, but the Bengals had the lead in the fourth quarter of all of their preseason games. They only won one, and going back to last year, before Joe Burrow got hurt, they had the lead in the fourth quarter, six times and won twice. So regardless of first string, second string, or third string, that is a habit they need to break. It is, and I think if you go back over Zach's entire career, they've had a fourth quarter lead probably 60 65% of the time and not been able to hold on to it. So finishing games continues to be you know, an issue. And I remember Bill Tiger Johnson a legendary offensive line coach with the Bengals and head coach for a period of time here, had a saying that there's going to be a handful of plays or less that are going to decide football games, and you never know when they're going to occur. And you have to be ready to make the play when the opportunity for that play presents itself. This game ended up a fourth and 15. They made the play. Bengals on fourth down, couldn't make a play. And that decided in the football game basically – um, but there was yin and yang long before that, and uh, you have to take advantage of, of your opportunities, and the team that takes advantage of a bigger percentage of them usually wins the football game. In Zach Taylor's first two seasons, they've had a lead, not necessarily a fourth-quarter lead, but a lead in 24 out of 32 games. Right. That's 75%. They've won six. That's 19%. Yeah, it's, uh, you know... <laughs> The game is four quarters for a reason, you know. It's 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 60 minutes long. There are four 15-minute quarters, and you have to play the entire 60 minutes. And uh, and I guess nobody knows that better than, than the Cincinnati Bengals under Zach Taylor right now, that's for sure. All right, here's my favorite stat of the three preseason games. The Bengals gave up one sack, 
and the only sack they allowed was when the offensive line wasn't even trying to block because the ball was snapped early. That's impressive. It is impressive, and I think you know everybody should uh, should accept some of the some of the uh, the credit for it. I think the offensive line. I think uh, you know tight ends, running backs. If there's blitz pickup responsibility, quarterback getting the ball out of their hands, creating extending plays when necessary. But I think that's a major step forward. That in uh, in that that play, you know, it was exacerbated. There was a problem by a rookie, uh, Trey Hill, with uh, an early snap, and they get pressure as a result of it. And instead of just throwing the football away, trying to make something happen, and now it turns into a fumble. So a bad play becomes a horrible play. So that quarterback sack was a was a catastrophe. But um, really, I think I think the guys believe in what Frank Pollock's trying to teach, and I think that's you know, shows itself. I think they're, they're definitely buying what he's selling. And uh, I, I thought that the protection, for the most part, you didn't see free runners. You know, you didn't see guys getting beaten on first moves at the line of scrimmage. I think, I think it's trending in a very good direction. I felt good about Jamar Chase's last three practices going into this game. He practiced well. I think he had one drop in three days. And then sure enough, in a game, first time the ball is thrown his way, he drops it again. The last four games, I'm sorry, the last two games, four targets, four drops. I don't want to panic. I'm not going to panic. But it's impossible not to be concerned. Yeah, he's got to get out of his own head. You know, I think when that ball, you know, came his way, obviously, you know, Zach Taylor uh, talked about after the game that Joe Burrow was coming out of the game and the number ones were coming out of the game after three snaps, that they generated a first down, they were still exiting the field. So there's no doubt that every single offensive player knew the sequence of the plays that were going to be called. So Jamar Chase knew for probably a few days that a ball was coming to him on a wide receiver screen. And, you know, maybe it's a case of I want to try to, try to do too much. I'm going to peek and see where they are before I catch it because I want to make a big play. I want to have a big splash with Joe. First ball comes my way, and I want it to be special. And first thing you have to do is look the ball into your hands, and particularly with what he's going through. You can't, you can't be not lazy, but you can't be, have your eyes everywhere. They have to be on the target, and that's the football. And look it in, catch it. And then make your move and, and don't try to speed up the process because things will happen that you don't want to happen, like dropping the football. So he's got to get out of his own head. He's got to go back to the basic, basic fundamentals, the one, two, three of catching the football. And the first thing you have to do is keep your eyes on the football. Look the football into your hands. Don't take your head away before the football hits your hands and try to locate defensive players too soon. Catch it first. You've got you to take baby steps. And it's got to be an ABC process, and he's got to get step A down first. Catch the football. Let's talk about some of the position battles going into this final preseason game, starting with tight end. Mason Shrek, Thaddeus Moss, and Mitchell Wilcox. It's been a, a spirited competition all camp. They all bring something a little bit different to the table. Wilcox had a tackle and kick coverage, made a great catch on a third and long situation, then suffered a concussion. Thaddeus Moss had five catches in the game you would think, at least I think, Moss and Wilcox have moved to the top of the totem pole now. Can you keep them both? Do you keep one? The other guy goes to the practice squad. It's going to be very interesting to see. It is. It's going to be very interesting because uh, Thaddeus Moss has already experienced this kind of thing with one organization with Washington, and uh, he got let go, and the Bengals pick him up. 
And uh, Joe Burrow was effusive in his praise of, of what a smart football player Thaddeus Moss is and what a reliable football player he is in terms of not making mistakes, understanding concepts, understanding you know, what his role is in the big picture scheme of the offense. And uh, you know, he, he speaks extremely highly of him. Of course, they're good personal friends as well. But I think he's, you know, just a football player. I think he gets it. He gets the game of football. And he's been around it his whole life. His dad was a superstar. So he's seen that part of it. He knows he's not that kind of player. But he understands that he can do some things in the game of football. So I think he's, you know, I think he's somebody that is going to find a niche somewhere. And when he gets his opportunity, he's going to take advantage of it. Will, will it be here, like you say, or will it be somewhere else? Wilcox is the most athletic of them. He can run the best. He's got the most foot speed. Um, I think Darren Simmons can work with that. And, you know, he made a spectacular play, got lit up, and got the concussion on that catch. But, you know, he'll make big plays like that. And then his, mis- his, his, plays are, his big plays are big. His, his mistakes are big. So there has to be, instead of north and south pole, there has to be an evening of that graph, you know, and, and uh, coaches have to know what they can expect out of Wilcox on a snap-by-snap-by-snap snap snap basis, not say, is this the one where it's going to be good Wilcox or is this the one where it's going to be, oh, my gosh, Wilcox. You know, you, that's, that's tough on a coaching staff. Another sack for Darius Hodge, the undrafted rookie out of Marshall, leads the team with two-and-a-half in the preseason. With Joseph Osai out, has Darius Hodge made this team as a pass rusher? Boy, and, and I think that's what you have to look at as a pass rusher. You know, he'll, he'll give you, depending on how the game's going, 10 to 15 snaps as a, as a pass rusher on second and long, third and long situations. You know, if it's more than that, you're really in good shape defensively with his role. If his role, he gives you 20 snaps, that means you're getting the offense off schedule all the time. And he's going to be making more and more plays. But, you know, his, his role is defined as that right now. Um, Darren Simmons, I think, is trying to find where that he can utilize him on special teams, but hasn't found that yet. So it's it's going to be a, a case where, all right, a guy who came in as a linebacker, but they found this innate ability to rush the passer. Okay, linebacker shouldn't play some special teams or you know a tweener guy, um, you know, a, a guy that can fit a couple of roles. What about special teams contribution? I think that's going to be the big discussion with Darren Simmons. But man. When, when you have a guy that has that innate ability to rush the passer and he's shown it on a snap-by-snap basis against, you know, not just twos and threes, but number ones, I think you got to work with the guy. He has just a very natural – everything he does is leaning and advancing to the quarterback. And he's got that low center of gravity, and it's just hard for the taller guys to you, – you got to bend to, to get – he puts you in a different position to pass protect than you normally are. It just it, everything has to be lower and tighter, and he's he's got he's got a skill set, so it's going to be interesting to see if if, if he does make the team. I, I I think he's made a case. So Noah Spence got signed about a week ago. Got a few practices in. Pre- played quite a bit in the game uh, against Miami. Almost had a sack on the final play, what turned out to be the game-winning touchdown pass for the Dolphins. Did he make an impression? You know, I think he flashed a little bit. He flashed a few times in terms of his uh, his, his rush. But, again, um, it wasn't against, you know, number ones, and he hasn't been here to go against number ones. But you got to remember, I think he's 
he's really just now shifting it into drive. You know, I mean, he was in neutral, and I think he's just trying to get his wind and get his football conditioning, you know, right. So I think I think his his NFL path has shown that he can do it. Um, I think you know they're trying to get him ready to do it in a very very fast fashion, fast manner. And the thing that you fear about something like that is, what if he pulls a hammy? What if he, you know, he's trying to do too much before his body is ready to allow him to do it? So you have to be smart about it. Um, but you know, the circumstances are a little bit dire because of other injuries. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be interesting to see how they address the edge rush position off the waiver wire. If they try to make a trade for somebody's fourth or fifth guy that they feel might be better than their fourth or fifth guy, um, I think they're going to try to improve that portion of the roster every way they possibly can. I hope Khalid Kareem is okay because he got off to a tremendous start, got off to a very good start of at training camp before hurting his shoulder. Now he gets off to a great start in this game and has to exit due to injury, but he's a guy that when he's been on the field this year has looked good. Really. And and I think it's one of those situations where you may have to just really monitor, put him on a pitch count in terms of snaps because if if it's an arthritic condition, that's not necessarily, you know, like a, a joint problem that surgery is going to repair. I mean, it's just something that you have to treat and take care of and um, you know, give it proper rest and all those sorts of things. And then, it, and, and then the player has to grit his teeth and kind of fight through it because there's going to be some pain there. But you're not worsening the injury as such. You just have to fight through and learn how to deal with, you know, playing with that type of a, a, uh, a malady. And uh, that's going to that's be interesting to see if he can do that because he does have some, uh, some length, uh, some, some ability to come off the edge and make plays. I mean, the first three snaps of the game, he was a factor in two of them with the deflection in the sack. Can't ask for more than that. The longest field goal in franchise history is 57 yards. Mike Nugent did it in a playoff game. Randy Bullock did it in a regular season game. And now Evan McPherson has done it in a preseason game. Do you agree with my bold prediction that the record held by your former teammate, Horst Muehlman, of four 50-yard field goals in a single season. That's a Bengals record, not an NFL record. But that Bengals record is going to go down this year when Evan McPherson kicks more than four 50-yard field goals. I think there's a real strong chance. I think he's going to beat the record, too, of a 57-yard field goal for the, for the club record. I think he's going, to, he's, he's going to touch 60 or maybe surpass it. I mean, gosh, he made that 57-yard field goal such an effortless swing of the leg and cleared it by – at least three yards. I mean, it would have been good from 60-plus. So he's a, he's a unique, special talent. And the thing about him that is real impressive is those long field goals, he gets such a quick trajectory, and it stays so straight. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't fade. It doesn't hook. I mean, he is, it, it's amazing how straight he hits, uh, he hits his, his shots, you know. It's like a golfer that just keeps, you know, piping the thing down the middle of the fairway and, and, and right to the pin, just piping everything. He seems to be able to do that from, from any distance. It's, it's really remarkable to watch the kid, how pure he strikes the football. Did Kyle Shermer do enough to wrap up third quarterback, probably on the practice squad third quarterback, or do you think they'll be scouring tape of rosters out there to see if there's a better practice squad quarterback available. I think you got to do your due diligence. Um, but after the Washington game, I would have thought they got to find something. But I thought he rebounded very well. I thought he put up 
some good numbers. I thought he, he, he was efficient in the way he played, his decision-making. Again, I thought his protection was pretty good. Like you, you pointed out, I agree with you. Um, but he has something to do with that as well. I, I just thought that the whole operation was much better than what, what uh, took place out there in Washington. If uh, the quarterback play had been like today in Washington, that would have been a victory in Washington. And it should have been a victory today. I mean, it's not like any one of these football games that, uh, that the Bengals were manhandled and, and uh, had no right being in the football game. But I, do thought, I, d- I did think that the quarterback play was not good enough against Washington. I thought it was good enough to win football games today. Do you have a biggest positive overall from the preseason and training camp? I think the biggest positive, uh, two things. I, I, I think I'm a big believer, and it starts up front. And from what I saw of the number one defensive line and guys that are going to rotate in there, the rotation guys in that defensive front, and the young linebackers, you know, that front seven, I saw some things that I really liked, and I think that the offensive line has made some strides with Frank Pollock. So I think that you have to be able to compete on a consistent basis, on a on game in and game out, week on a weekly basis, up front in the trenches on both sides of the football to have a chance. And I do think uh, that I, I see improvement in both of those areas. I thought it was very, very suspect last year, and injuries were a big part of it, but everybody gets hurt. All teams get hurt in the National Football League. I do think they've done a good job on accumulating much more depth to their roster. I think they have more guys that can play at a higher level, and I think that it's going to be better on both sides of the football. I can pretty much guarantee this. There's not a team in the NFL that had a better sack differential in the preseason the Bengals had three more sacks in this game six more quarterback hits like we said earlier they only gave up one sack the entire preseason their differential was incredible between the amount of pressure they generated and the amount they gave up yeah and I I think that speaks to you know the numbers show what my eyeballs are telling me you know watching these guys we we talked about it a couple of times during the course of the preseason games Dan that the size of the defensive line interior. I mean, they're big inside. They have big body guys, and they bigger than they're bigger than they've been for a while. And they're not stiffs. You know, it's like these guys stay on their feet. It's not like they're just big lugs, and uh, you know, they're just trying to blob people. I mean, these guys these guys can uh, take up space. They can two gap. They can move. They can stay on their feet. They can get off blocks. So uh, I'm encouraged. It's it's built the right way. Uh, big, strong, fortifying the inside. They've got some edge speed on the on the perimeter, and that's the way today's NFL and really a lot of NFL great defenses have been built. So, um, again, I think they have more guys that can give them quality snaps than they've had since Zach Taylor's been here. Do you have a biggest disappointment or negative? Is it Jamar's drops? Is it something else? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, um, you know <laughs> – Again, it's it's limited it's limited snaps it's small sample size, but Lamar's drops and T and and, and Tyler Boyd they just didn't play enough you know to to be able to make a make a judgment but uh, you know I I, I want to see the big three get off to a really fast start you know and I think I think they can I, I think Joe Mixon is prime for a big year and uh, and I think you know that if they can if they can run the football when they have to you know sometimes it's like you know. It's not going to be easy, but you're still going to have to run the football. And, and if, you, if you can't run the football, you're going to be in real trouble. 
There's going to be days where it's going to be easy to run the football, and then everything falls into place. Some days, you know, you just can't run the football, and, and then it's going to be harder to throw the football, and you're going to have to figure out a way, you know, to be able to be able to run the football. So I think Joe Mixon's going to have a, a big impact on this uh, on this football team, and and the best defense is a is an offense that, you know, can, c- controls the clock, controls the snap count. You know, if you're snapping the football on a consistent basis, 10 to 15 snaps per game more than the opponent is, you got a shot. And I think I think this this team can do that kind of thing. I think the defense can get off the field and and cause some turnovers, give the football uh, extra possessions of the football to the offense, and the offense take advantage and just play really good complementary football. I think the roster is uh, is sound enough and deep enough to play really sound complimentary football and and in order to compete in this division never mind you know win more games than you lose just to compete in this division you damn well better play complimentary football because the all the others will be this division's a beast you know i've said it before you can be a decent football team and still go two and four or worse if you don't play complimentary football so you better damn well play complimentary football and uh and play good sound you know not you can't expect to play six perfect games, but minimize mistakes against the AFC North, or it could be miserable for you. 17 games to look forward to. The fun begins in two weeks. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I'm hoping at least eight and nine. Get out of the double-digit loss scenario. Win, you know, win eight, and if, you, uh, if breaks fall your way, maybe you can get up to double-digit wins. Who knows? But... Uh, I can't wait either. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing unfolds. So now we wait to find out who makes the 53-man roster NFL teams have until 4 p.m. on Tuesday to make their final cuts. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.